My goodness, I love this church. Such a delight to be here. From my perspective, you, what you probably see, and you probably know more than this, is a lot of talented musicians today. A lot of gifted people here. But what I see, you know, from where I see it and been hanging around a few years is uh, behind these musicians are people who have a genuine love for the Lord and they're wanting to express it. And you did that so well today, so beautifully. What a treasure this day has been so far. So it would be awful to have a bad message follow up. <laughs> so pray for me. They've given me a lot to live up to here. But we have a wonderful text, a beautiful text of Scripture, and uh, there's no question about that. For many years, Lois and I have exhausted ourselves and we have exhausted our resources to make sure that Christmas was a happy memory for our children. And all eight of them would say, we succeeded. They each have a love for Christmas and they participate joyfully in it. Our firstborn will come, up with, come out with his Christmas playlist before Thanksgiving. He'll send it out to the family and you can watch Instagram and see all the stuff that they're doing to get ready for Christmas. Holly's our second born. She's out on the West Coast and we get to see what they do out there in Oregon to celebrate Christmas. And, uh, and then Chuck, he's a, you know, he's a pastor and he really loves Christmas and you can see that from watching his family and all the little things he does with them or a lot of the things that we did with him. And uh, so that's kind of fun. Heidi has, is a mom and has two little ones, and she loves to go places and do Christmas things, and it's fun to watch that, and has a great love for Christmas. And uh, Hannah, too, and they got little Jaleesia, and we get pictures of little Jaleesia, her foster child, and, and uh, she, uh, she always has a little, she, she, we can't see pictures of her on, on the internet publicly because she's a foster child, so she has a little heart over her face or a little snowflake over her face. And so sometimes I'll just send Hannah a picture and I'll or send the, Hannah a text and say, send me a picture of Jalicia so I can see her face. And then she'll send me a picture of her and she's got her little Christmas set. I would like to have the money they spend on her clothes. And... Uh, <laughs> She's a spoiled little thing, and uh, that's kind of cute. Danny is down in Florida. It's fun to be a pastor. You can talk about your kids, your grandkids publicly. And I, he's down in Florida, and you can see they got three boys and all the stuff, the Christmas stuff they're doing with them. And Wes has two girls and a, and a little boy coming. And uh, he probably is one of the most, of all of our kids, he loves Christmas maybe almost the most. All they all do. Hope he's with us today. Hope he's a married woman and the professional nail person. She nails it every day. <laughs> Where's Leo? Did you get that? Like, well, you should be in our elders meetings because actually <laughs> Leo was on a bit of a roll yesterday at the elders meeting. Probably a half a dozen really wonderful puns. Anyway, hope he nails it every, every day. And now this time of year she's doing Christmas nails. Now I love this because she makes a lot of money doing that. And after all of that, Lois, our exhausting our efforts and our resources, now the children are making money of their own. And you've noticed that. And, um, and now packages are arriving from Amazon. And, uh, and, Lo and I, I'm warning Lois, don't open those packages. They might be for you. And she says, don't you open it. Now we have the ethics of, do our parents allowed to open Amazon packages 
ahead of Christmas, let's vote on this. How many of you say, nothing wrong with that? Raise your hand. Nothing wrong with that? Sure, I'm with you. And how many of you say that would be like Grinchy of you? No. Yeah, look at you. You would never do that, Ed. You wouldn't open that package. Just leave it sit there, no matter what. Package came yesterday. I hid it away. I thought, that isn't for me. That's probably for Lois. And I got to hide this away. Lois gets home from work and says, where's my package? I'm like, you knew there was a package? She says, I ordered it. I'm like, you're lying to me. I'm like, don't lie to me about your package. She, so she said, no, I ordered it for myself. And I said, okay, well, hold on. And so I went to my secret location, and I got the package and gave, gave her her package. Part of the fun and the wonder and the, the, of, of, and the mystery of the way we do Christmas is just anticipation, isn't it? We got something to look forward to. If it's gifts that we're going to receive, one of my kids called and says, Dad, have you, do, you, do you have a wish list? I'm like, I have curated my wish list. I've kept it up to date. Let me send you a link. This is not my first Christmas. I know what I'm doing here because I'm looking forward to it. Delay the anticipation. Something's coming. Something wonderful is going to happen. Something's coming, but it's not here yet. You have to wait for it. Advent is that. It's, it's greater than what we were talking about with those gifts from Amazon. Advent's a promise and a delay. And you may have heard this before, but much of the Christian life and much of Christian truth is already not yet. Have you heard that? You have to wait for it. It's an already not yet proposition. Promises have been made and they have been fulfilled in Christ on our behalf, but they have not yet been fully realized sometimes. It's like the Christmas gifts that are currently under the tree at out on Bittersweet Farm right now, and they are mine, 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 mine. But like, there's probably a toolkit under there. I'm pretty sure there's a toolkit. But if something broke, Lois, you would have to fix it because my toolkit's under the tree. <laughs> so I can't, you might have to fix it anyway because even with the toolkit, I'm, I'm not Dan Haynes, let's just say that. And, 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 and uh, but it's a little bit like that. It's like we, we've been given things. They're bought and paid for. They are ours. They're ours in Christ. And yet there's a sense in which we have not fully realized them. Now, you may have already figured out that the drama of Ruth is an all, has an already not yet element in it. It's about something that happened a long time ago, but it has a hint of foreshadowing, maybe even a type of something wonderful that will happen in the future. The ancient story of Ruth foreshadows of all things Christmas. And that's why we've used it for the last four weeks as we have reenacted, as we have remembered the waiting and the, for the redemption of Israel. Remember the account of Luke where Anna surfaces in it, says she and her friends were doing what? Waiting for the redemption of Israel. They were waiting for the redemption of of Israel. And that beautiful narrative arc of redemption is a significant feature in this beautiful story of Ruth. Did you read it this week? I'm just wondering now. Here is a, an ingredient in the secret sauce of making messages really meaningful. Preparation. You wouldn't really want to hear a message that I didn't work hard at preparing you would expect that I would work to prepare that message and to think about that text and to answer some questions. Let me tell you 
what will make a message exponentially greater than that. And that is not just my preparation, but your preparation. And in our church, we're a Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church. Our classes are based on the Bible. Our preaching is based on the Bible. And you know this, but I like to repeat it every once in a while because it's an ingredient in the secret sauce of making messages really effective. And that is usually we're going to be going to the next chunk in the passage of Scripture that we're teaching. And the message is going to be based in the next chunk so you know where we're going. If you get lost or confused, you can always shoot me a text, call the church office, and we'll let you know. The text for next week, usually we'll know, almost always, the text for next week is this. And a good, so a good pastor, a good elder, a good pastor, will always look at people and think, has that person repented? A good pastor will always look at a person in their mind, they'll think, has that person believed? Someday we have to give an answer to God for the people that we had influence over. Did they repent? Have they believed in Jesus? And then right after that, what would a, a good pastor would always say, are they baptized? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You obey Jesus and his commands. And his first command after repent and believe was, I wanted you to say it. Let's try that again. His first command after repent and believe was, be baptized. Go to all the world. Uh, make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them. So there's a sense in which a person that's stubborn about being baptized isn't really following Jesus. And one of the first things that he said, this is super important. This is a very important thing. Jesus said it's important, it's important. And so I look at a person, I think, have they repented? Have they believed? Have they followed the Lord in baptism? And after that, it goes different directions. It might be, have they forgiven their mother? (laughs) It might be, do they love their mother? It might be, have they charge God with unfaithfulness because of the hardships that they've had. But it often is, do they regularly read their Bible? Now, this is a planned rabbit trail. Like last week, I had one. This is this week's planned rabbit trail. So I didn't, this is not by accident. This is very important pastor work that I'm doing. And that is, we're coming to the first of the year. Um, We've had uh, our, uh, our elders that have your care on their heart come to me personally with a burden. John, I don't think you'd mind me telling you, John Lemon's come two or three times, and the Lord has burdened his heart for you that you would be in the Word. And if, John, I know I'm out of school here a little bit, but he'll talk about reading the Bible with his granddaughters on the, on the YouVersion Bible app, and they can hold him accountable, and he can see what they're doing, because it's important to him to be in the Word. And he meets with some friends and has met for years and years and years to hold one another kind of accountable to read the Word. Can I just say to you, if you want to have, if the, the messages be meaningful to you, read the passage ahead of time and ask questions of the passage and be in the Word. And I would even suggest maybe you get a prayer partner, uh, just another person that loves the Lord, that every once in a while you could touch base with them, like after church, before you go home, just as the strains of the euphonium and piano are playing or organ are playing, then you're kind of leaning your heads together and how are you doing, brother and sister? Let me pray for you. What a beautiful thing that would be. Then you're on your way or you make a phone call or you send a text or maybe you grab coffee and you have a prayer partner and you say, I'm in the word and, and not to brag, that's, that's yucky, but in order to be accountable to make your way through God's word, I strongly recommend that you figure out a way this coming year 
to regularly move the ribbon in Bible reading, no matter how old you are. How are hope, I'm sorry, Hopi, you remember when you were, you were young? And I said, well, why don't you just read through the living Bible? Hopi, one of my happiest memories is the year that every time I looked up, you were there with your little green padded living Bible. And you're just reading through the living Bible. Every time I see one of those green padded living Bible, I remember that year. What a sweet thing. It's like, she might have been faking, you know, just to make me feel good. But no, she was actually reading the Bible. And, and that's where the Heavenly Father is pleased to see that we love him and that we love his word and we need his word. Can I just say as a pastor and on behalf of the other elders who care for you, let's figure out a way to be in the word this year. Let's move the ribbon. Doesn't matter how fast you move. Doesn't matter if you goof up every once in a while and you skip a few days. Everybody, I think, does that. But have a plan of some kind and maybe have a partner that you can talk to. It might be your mate, might be somebody else, might be a child, might be a friend. And we'd love to see you do that. You can let us know. And that's the basis really of a grow group is just people that are getting together one-on-one talking about their Christian life. Our church will, our our faith of our individual people will deepen, even the youngest ones, as they study the Word of God together. But one of the things that we do is we say, hey, we're going to be in Ruth 4. And so if you read Ruth 4 and you ask yourself the question, who are the characters here? What is God saying? What happened here? Where are they? Why did God have whoever wrote this write this to whoever he wrote it to? And by the way, who wrote it and who did he write it to? You just ask some questions. You don't even have to answer them. If you read the text every week and you ask questions of the text, then whoever occupies the pulpit on Sunday morning will be a fascinating preacher because he will be just talking about the thing that you were thinking about. So I say that, it's very important. That's what I would like to call the part of the secret sauce of the elements of making uh, preaching really meaningful. And so if you read Ruth 4, you know that's the next chunk. And you might ask the question now, so where are we in this story? We're in Act 4. And so let's review. And to review, I have lifted a review from the ESV Study Bible. Let me read to you what it says. This is a synopsis of of the drama so far in Ruth chapters 